It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Coachpad has now been around for three seasons, and coaches everywhere are saving time and being more efficient when it comes to scout cards. Coach Robinson from Texas says, The thing I most enjoy is the ease of access to all the scout cards and how I can draw on them if I need to make any changes. Every coach that uses it says that it is so great to use. If you and your staff are tired of the old ways of preparing and using scout cards, check out thecoachpad.com to start enjoying scout team and making the 2023 season better than ever. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Gap Down Backer podcast. Um, we have the uh, defensive coordinator at Corner Canyon High School in Utah, uh, Coach Cody Gardner. Coach, how you doing? Doing really well, man. How are you? Doing good. Um, for what people didn't get to see was about almost an hour of us just BSing about just dub stuff for an hour. So that was great. Um, before we even get started, like I said, last time you were on in any capacity, you were still at Park City. So kind of just want to update people on how you ended up at kind of Corner Canyon. Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, the, the housing boom in Park City kind of took off like crazy. Um, so essentially like the entire city after COVID like ran out of inventory. Literally like, so like if a, if a family wanted to made, move to Park City, hey, we need four bedroom, three bath. Um, there'd be like literally one house in the whole city to like sell them. And so the realtors were like, hey, um, can I show your house? Put a crazy number on it. You know, you that way you don't have to sell it unless you're going to make like $4 million on it or something, you know, type stuff. Uh, well, those started selling. Right. So everything went crazy. People were getting millions and millions and millions of dollars over asking price cash. Right. So there were people selling their $6 million home for eight and a half and then moving down to Salt Lake and buying a two and a half million dollar home uh, and just cashing all that money out. Right. It was wild. And so um, my my landlord hadn't moved our, our, our rent up for like six years. So we were probably had the cheapest rent in the entire city, like no doubt. And, but he's an older guy. And so he's like, they called me one day. They're like, Hey, we're thinking about selling. Cause they, like when we first moved in, the people across the hall from us, yeah. uh, that, the apartment, nine, 900 square feet, two bed, two bath, no air conditioning, third floor stairs, right? No attached garage, one garage, like in a community kind of garage thing, uh, $238,000. Right. Uh, then that, when he called me, the people, the cat were caddy corner from us just sold their place for four ten. 
right? So he's like, we can sell our house that, that apartment for 400, 415,000. We only, they, they bought it like 20 years ago. So they were going to, and they've rented it out the entire time and they're getting older. So he's like, I think we may just sell it. And I was like, uh, we're going to be homeless, right? Like r- real concern. And so like when I was coaching in Park City, um, my day job, I would have to leave early. So I would leave like two hours early. I was an hourly guy plus commission. And so I would lose like in theory, like 25% of my income during the season. Right. And so my stipend isn't covering that, you know, but uh, so I just did it because I love it and I can't, my life doesn't work without coaching football. Um, Just like mentally, like my, just, I suffer, I suffer if I don't. So, but it became real easy choosing between coaching and maybe going homeless or not coaching. Right. So and the, the whole losing money, the whole thing had been eating at me for a ton of time. And so I decided to resign, step away, find a job that allowed me to work normal hours year round and also be able to get to practice. Um, so I was looking for like East Coast based remote work, essentially. That way, whenever it was five o'clock on the East Coast, it was three o'clock in Utah, I could go to practice, not feel guilty, not lose any money. Um, and so I stepped away for a year. I ended up getting that job within like weeks. Like if I had known, I would have just held my water. Um, so I sat out a year was, uh, just uncle Cody in the stands, uh, watching park city. Cause my kid was still at park city. Um, there's no better group of men to have my kid with, you know, loved it. Um, but I missed it horribly. So I started looking around that next off season. I applied for like nine head coaching jobs. Didn't get a one, which that's really good for your ego. Um, especially like and 10 teams. Like I, I did already applied for an and 10 and a one and nine. And the reason the team that won the one game is because they beat that 0-10 team, right? Yeah, it's usually how that works. Yeah, well, they both didn't want me. So I was literally like, I, don't, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was like, well, I guess I can just coach backers or line or something for somebody. I'll just go be an assistant coach or something. And um, the head coach that I coach for now just reached out. He's like, hey, man, I know it's not a head coaching job, and you've been very clear about what your intentions were, um, but would you at least want to talk about being my D.C.? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, let's talk. You know, like, not that it was like, oh, what, I, it's an exciting job, right? But I was just that little bit of like, yeah, I think I'm at a place now where I at least should talk. And so we went down and talked a couple of times um, and decided to go ahead and make that move. Um, and truthfully, like after a year of being there, um, I don't know what coaching job will get me out of here, right? I mean, it's, it's a great school, great program. Um, coach lets me, Coach Care lets me do whatever I want. He didn't click over on the headset one time in 14 games, right? Never once told me what to do or kind of demanded it. He just let me be me. Um, not only from an X's and O standpoint and philosophy standpoint, but also personality. I do not have a small personality. I am not quiet at practice. Um, I am not easygoing. Um, I like to have fun, but I wouldn't say I'm easygoing when it comes to like practice. And he loved it. I fit in. I think he thinks it's funny that there's somebody else that gets as crazy and loud as he does. Um, I know that some of his longtime position coaches were like, finally a dude that screams and yells more than him. Um, so it's, I found definitely found a home and like my style's appreciated. Um, and I don't have any head coach worries. I don't have to answer emails, you know, all that stuff. So like, while I still want to be a head coach, I don't know what would have to come knocking. And I mean, come knocking. I don't know that I'm going to go chase anything. Um, to leave because it's just, it's such a great fit. I work with the best kids in the state, not only from a talent standpoint, but a dedication standpoint. Monday, the Monday before spring break, we had 108 kids in the weight room 
That's three grades. Now, granted, there were like four, four or five seniors, one kid in before spring ball from a university, and one return missionary. But still. Okay, so Monday, yeah, Monday morning, 6 a.m., hang clean time. You got a hundred, you know, eleventh, tenth, and ninth graders yeah. in there. Um, and no one's complaining. It's great energy. They're happy to be there. Again, like I said, like it just I don't know that there's a better deal. If you love football and you love coaching and not deal with a bunch of BS, like I don't know that it gets better than what I've got right now. So but you know, if I could find a couple more assistant coaches, you know, that might be the only complaint is that just trying to get people that are um that want to be as committed because actually, you know, it is a burden to be in a program like Corner Canyon. Um, if you're if you're like a guy that wants to work hard, but like maybe doesn't want the pressure. Because like it, last year was a disappointing season, we lost the state title game. Like th- there's no there's no room for anything else. You you're here to win championships, and like it's not like that. You know I'm getting booed at the grocery store because we got second, right? But like people want to know like what happened, right? Like it's just they've, we've lost two in a row now, and so they're like, what's going on? And so if you don't like that kind of pressure, then this ain't the place for you. But I love it. Yeah. But he, he knows what I do. Like, I mean, as underrated as Utah football is, and in in I think who who was it a couple years ago put you guys put put a little more awareness on. I think it was Rivals or somebody put you one of your regions in like one of the top like five toughest regions in the country. But again, that's that's historically been the problem. There's finding a high quality amount of assistance. I mean, we've talked about that before. Um, in part, just because that's a population thing. I mean, that's in in the. In the and now that you have $6 million small houses for, for sale. Yeah. yeah it- Park City is impossible. Yeah, Park City is impossible. Um, I think they went through – we had a great athletic trainer for a bunch of years. Um, he got married, wanted to start a family, wanted to build my home. So they moved back to, like, his home area. But they go through, like, two or three trainers a year because they can't live locally. They have to drive up the mountain and down the mountain every day. And so if you're doing that through winter sports, you're driving through – you know, especially like this winter, it's a historical snowfall, but you're driving through Parley's Canyon twice a day and a 40 minute commute up and down 15, 1600 foot elevation change gets old real quick. And so people just do it for a while and then they, they can't do it and they move on down here. It's not as bad, but yeah, it's tough to find assistance. I think everybody, I think that's a nationwide thing, right? Like, I think it's just not like, cause like, it's not, I mean, you gotta be a little bit like off your rocker to want to like spend that much time to get paid that much that to that little right like if you if you went and drove uber eats you'd make more money mm-hmm. right like you can go get an a side job or a side gig that gives you less frustration and more money um and you're more in control of your satisfaction like to a large degree like you know like you've got to you've got to have a desire above all things to uh, than than what normal people would want to do what we do um and, you know, and so like, even like me, like even someone who loves as much as I did, I had to make a choice between my family and coaching. I picked my family. And so I think a lot of guys would love to coach, but I think when you get down to like the economics of it and the time of it and the commitment, they're like, yeah, this isn't worth it. Like when I bring guys in, like I'm bringing a new guy in um, this weekend and I'm like, he's like, he accepted it really fast when I talked to him. And I was like, did you talk to your wife? Do, do you mind if I talk to your wife? Like, because this isn't, this isn't some casual thing. And I'm like laid back. Like we don't do weekend meetings. 
I, you know, I get it. I get, I want them to have happy, healthy lives outside of football. But the reality is, is that we're going to go five days a week with games We're you know, the playoffs, our practices get practices long, but we're there for a while. Right. Cause we watch film after practice, we eat together. We do all these things. Like, you know, there are times where you're, especially like with the referee shortage where we're like, we'll have to move a game up and double dip it. And then, you know, so like, Wednesday, we might practice after the sophomore game or after the freshman game. I'm not get home until 1030 on a Wednesday night because we had to practice at 730, 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I want to make sure that they know that because um, the thing that drives me nuts and maybe is a bigger problem is getting guys that are one and done. They come in for a year. They realize what it really is and they get out. Um, and I, I'm just sick of training the same, you know, a new dudes all the time. And so for me, one of the things I did in my interview process was like what's your commitment like i'm not saying you can't leave to go be a coordinator or leave to go be a head coach but like i don't need you leaving just to leave like are you committed to like long term to being a high school coach even if as much as i don't want it even if they went to like the program across the road at least they're coaching you know like i just i just don't want guys like i did it for a year i'm out like i just i'm sick of that i need guys that are in and want to be in for a long time I get it. That's, that's one of the questions I asked when I interviewed assistants this offseason was, what are your football career goals and then what are your non-football career goals? Because not everybody, I I mean, and this isn't Texas where you have, you have to be a teacher to be in the building and they're going to hire teachers to coach. Like, half my staff doesn't teach. Yep. So, like, part of my question is, okay, where do you what do you want to do outside of coaching? Because this is, is this going to cause you to move within the next six months or a year? I mean, that really wasn't a problem for me, but like plates, some places that is a realistic things. Yeah. Uh, I mean, while I was at Elgin, we had an assistant on our staff that um, is in the military and he was a recruiter. So like you knew after two years, he was going to be gone. Yep. So that that is what that is. Yeah, man. It's, it's, it's a real concern. Like, and I, I just, even from like a response standpoint, I thought I'd get more because it's an attractive program. Yes. I think it is, you know, like, I mean, I know we lost three whole games last year, right. Which is a lot, you know, but I think they're still like 74 and six in the past six seasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, you probably want to be part of that, right. Our the head coach that we work under, um, you know, he's I think eight years and the semifinals are better. Two different programs. Like if you're like one, a coach, like you'd think you'd want to be around guys that have had success. There's a successful model. So I actually thought when I'm like, hey, I'm looking for a couple guys, I thought I'd be flooded. A dozen dudes, two no-showed me for the Zoom in meeting. Right? Wild. And so, yeah, so that's been probably the biggest adventure of the offseason for me. Um, you know, we talked a little bit ahead of time, but we've got to have some unique talent um, as far as, like, guys that can maybe cop over and play some defense. I think they're – here's the problem – they're more important offensively for us as a high school team, but their college prospect What's positions are defensive. If that makes sense. Like yes. he's an all state guard. He makes our offense go. He's probably a P five defensive tackle where he's maybe not as a guard or a center, you know, maybe six, one and a half, but he's violent and quick and nimble and all those things. And you know, how line coaches are, if you're not six, three, they don't want to talk to you, even though that dude is the best guard in the state. They're like, well, so that's the thing is, and I feel like I don't feel an obligation to the kids, but I do feel an obligation to let them 
showcase those skills. But I'm also conflicted because if you're not getting indie time and, you know, I mean, my, I would say probably half of my uh, people that out, reach out to me on Twitter or through email from the, uh, the last time you and I got together on wrong arming, they're always like, Oh, I will listen to the Banster one on wrong arming. I have some questions. Right. Um, and so like, you know, how I am, I'm a stickler for it. I'm obsessive compulsive about it. So like in the moment in the game, I'm not going to get if he misses of why he missed the wrong arm or used the wrong technique because he hasn't been an indie because he's playing offensive line. In the moment, I'm going to be pissed, right? After the game, I'll be like, you dummy, why'd you ask that kid to do that? You know he's not ready, yeah. right? When everything calms down, and I'll feel bad, and I'll go talk to the kid and explain how I'm stupid and all those kinds of things, right? That I'm emotional, I'm, I've been pretty much barely a human, right? Especially during the game. But like, so for me, it's like, okay, I got to ask that kid to come over and play some defense. I want to him to come over and play some defense and show those abilities, how can I ask him to do things that he's ready to do? Yeah. So like those have been my two projects, fill out my staff and try to develop um, sub packages uh, that meet my personnel. Because if I just let the, if I just let the fruit right, uh, you know, waste away on the vine with a kid who I think is a P5 D tackle and I don't play him on defense, I'm stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got three wrestlers, um, you know, two wrestlers, two kids that finished in the top five in heavyweight. In, in Utah, they're both sophomores. Both of them, I think, will start on the O line, and then I have the other kid that's no line, the the the, D, the P five D tackle kid, and then a six five, uh, another kid that's going to be a junior who I think's a a, a, a D one kid, an O tackle who could play D end. So I've got literally got dudes over there that I should be using, um, but then I also have guys on my defensive side who are going to be better because they get all the indie time. Now, talent-wise, being special, they might not be as special as those kids from a physical standpoint, but they'll be as effective, if not more effective, at our full playbook because they get the reps every day. And so for me, it's about trying to figure out a way to like, can I create some like, and plus I don't want to make so many changes that it changes everything for my backers or my, you know, I don't want to make so many wholesale changes that I'm installing two defenses. Um, So that's been my big big off-season challenge of those two things. Um, it's going about as well for both. <laughs> it's okay. I get it. now now before we get to the actual football stuff. Okay. I do want to ask you two things. So one, how's the Lakers jazz game? Because I saw I saw the, the Twitter pictures the other day. I and mean, we talked about it very briefly before we came on, but how's that? Was that a good yeah. game? They didn't enjoy yourself. Yeah, it was great. So um, you know, I'm 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 a bit of a cheap ass, right? Like We'll go to like, so we've, my, uh, my, my nephew who lives with Ethan, my kid, I call him my kid. He's not my son, but he's my kid. Yeah. Uh, we've gone to a few Laker games over the, uh, jazz games over the years. Um, and like the first time it was like a promotional ticket through the university of Utah. The next time was like through my work. And then this time we got like gifted tickets. Um, but so we don't do it a lot, but we've got to see golden state. We got to see the Lakers with LeBron. We've gotten to see, um, uh, Houston when they had everybody back in the like three or four years, four or five years ago, right before COVID maybe. Um, and so it's been cool to like have those experiences. I, I, you know, I've seen Michael play Kobe play AI as a rookie. Like I've seen some like really amazing players over the years and I haven't been to like a lot of NBA games by no means, uh, but getting to see LeBron was cool. Um, seeing a healthy AD is pretty special. Um, one of the coolest things was the, the jazz or quasi tanking. Um, they started a guy 
It was his first NBA start. He's on a 10-day contract. And he and he played his ass off, man. He played amazing. It was so much fun to watch a guy who literally was like, I got 10 days to make a splash and try to either stick on here or catch a ride somewhere else. And he played like his ass was on fire. It was awesome. Especially if there's um, only like three games left too. That's yeah. everything. Like I think I think I think the Lakers only got like two games left. Yeah, I think Sunday's the last day. So like he was playing like a 10-day contract, I think runs out last day of the year type thing. Um, and so that was awesome. Now we were in a booth. So, you know, free, free food and drinks always makes it nice. Right. So, uh, they had a little beef pork loin, uh, some mashed potatoes, some mac and cheese. They, they took care of us. Um, so that was nice. Uh, you know, the drive, we had a blizzard. So the drive there and the drive back kind of sucked, but everything else was awesome. Uh, and it was just good to kind of get in there and, and hang out and, you know, just get to have fun. My wife got, went with us. This is the first time she's went with us. Um, normally she can hit the eject button on something like that. She will. Um, <laughs> but I pretty much strong armed her. I was like, look, we've got three tickets. If you don't go, I'm going to pass on them. And she was like, fine, I'll go. And so, but she had a blast. Good. So it was, it was a good time, man. It was really good. It was fun. And then they went overtime, right? So in overtime, uh, I talked a little Braun. Um, I don't want to offend the Ohio guy, but, uh, he got, a, he, got a, he got a backcourt violation uh, during the game, right? So eight seconds, he couldn't get across half court, and he was getting full court pressed by a guy wearing number 95. Like, that's when I was like, hashtag not my goat, right? I, so I, I did that. Um, and then he had an ISO at the end of the game. Obviously, they had like six seconds. They jumped him. He passed away, got it back, got it a layup. Probably got a pretty good bump. Um but it is what it is. They went to overtime. And then he ended up making a layup as time expired uh, to win it. Yeah. And so uh, after a uh, a Kelly Olenek banked in three, that kind of got him back in it to tie it and stuff. So we had a blast. It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, it was a good time. Man. It was definitely fun to, to be able to get away and do something like that, especially like got the call like five o'clock game tips at seven. You know, so we're scrambling around the house, walking the dog, trying to get out to the truck and that kind of stuff. So it was fun. You're not gonna hurt my feelings. I, I grew up a Kobe and Shaq fan, so yeah. you're not like I was in. I lived in Texas at the time, so okay. Okay. I got the basketball. Percent, Kobe and Shaq. Like that's nice. okay. We're yeah. good then. Yeah. So, no, no, no. But, but like I said, like I was just like, come on, dude, you can't get a backcourt violation. And it was like the last possession of a quarter. It wasn't like it was the middle and he was daydreaming. It was like they had 11 seconds to get a shot off the end of the quarter, and he got a backcourt violation. I was like, what are you doing? Get the ball across the court. So. Yeah, so it was fun. I thought it was funny. It was a good chance to take a shot at it. It was fun. So okay, my, my next question is, when are we getting more food videos? Because I scroll down your Twitter all the time, and I just see good food after good food after good – and we talked a little bit about this before we got on here. And, yeah. like, because it's, it, it, it's it's like meat galore and, we like, and rice and other just fantastic-looking things. And – like you'll do a couple videos every year. I know it's not a full-time thing for you. I get that. I respect it. Like you're not crazy like I am in that, in that world, but like, when we get no, some- it's, it's, here's what it is. Okay. Like, like cooking. I love cooking. Right. Yes. And so I love cooking. Um, and it's, it's definitely like, I wouldn't say I don't know, hobby or whatever, but it's definitely like, I enjoy it immensely. Um, and so the problem is at times, even though I love it, it's a, it's work. Hey, what do you guys want for dinner? I don't know. I don't care. I'm like, well, help me, help me understand what you guys want to eat. Right. Like, and so sometimes the last thing I want to do is kick on the camera. Cause even though my food looks really good in a still picture, 
Like I may not have been in a good mood cooking <laughs> because I'm like, it's the 12, you know, and like some days, like, so I work from home, my wife works from home. So there are days where I cook breakfast, lunch, and dinner for a week or two in a row. Right. And so sometimes when I'm like, I'll make something like the meatballs I did the other day, totally got inspired by somebody on Twitter and was like, oh, I mean, that's what we're having for dinner on Sunday. And like, even then, like go into the store Sunday, I was like, oh, I got to get the stuff for meatballs. You know, so sometimes it's like, you know, I get it. Like, like one time I cooked something like kind of shitty or like cheesy, something like stupid. And my buddy was like, oh, thank God you're like a normal person. I'm like, yeah. Like, yeah, I'm a normal person. Like, I don't have a, I'm not a food snob. Um, but realistically, I should do a better job of just throwing the camera on. What I really want to do is like, and I, and I want to do this is like literally shoot like when I, like almost like I come home, it's a little bit staged, but I come home from practice. I walk in, whistle around my neck and just live cut one shot, no edit, start to finish dinner. And cause I do it in like 12 or 15 minutes. And so like the guy's like, I don't have time to cook. Like you're full of shit. You are full of shit. You can't. And then it's like, well, but do they know what to do? Do they know how to cook something quick and in 15 minutes or whatever? And so that's whenever I get motivated is like, can I help others? I'm shitty if it's just for myself. I'm a very unmotivated person to help myself. So I'm 268 pounds, right? Like if I were motivated to, to help myself with things, I'd be in really, really good shape. I'm not feeding my family, taking care of my family, taking care of kids as in coaching. Like those are the things that make me my best is when I'm doing things for others. And so like, when I think about it in terms of that, like, oh, I'm going to share this recipe so that this coach can be better husband and father for his family and kids. Then I'm motivated to shoot content. When I'm not, it's because I'm being selfish. And I, I'm not I'm not in my right mind frame to be like, I need to do this for others. When I stay in the do it for somebody else, I'm a, I'm a bad dude. But when it's about doing it for myself, like I'll never buy myself stuff. Like my wife jokes, I like to visit stuff at the store. <laughs> like it took me six months to buy a watch one time. And I would go see the watch. We like, we'd go to the mall. She's like, hey, I'm like, hey, I'm gonna run over to that. And she's like, you're gonna visit it? I'm like, yeah. I could have bought that thing 10 times, but I just, to buy it for myself is impossible. If she's like, I want to watch, I just spend twice as much never blinked. Right. And so just knowing my motivation. So that's when, you know, that's, that's why you guys don't get many videos is when I get behind, become selfish and I don't shoot stuff. Um, you know, um, cause it's way easier just to take a picture and torture you guys. Right. Like it's way easier to be like, oh, it's fantastic. Like, yeah. like, so we talked about what like what you ate the other night before we came on like and I, I all i've seen is rice and all kinds of other stuff lately and it's just like oh this yeah. looks yeah i'm a so like my stepdad so my dad died when i was really young um i was i was 12 and then my mom started dating my stepdad about oh, 16 months 18 months later uh and i was really lucky he was into sports he was a coach himself he's an ad he's a principal um but the coolest thing <laughs> that maybe he brought to my life was that he played college ball at the University of New Orleans. So I got introduced to Cajun and Creole cooking at like 13, 14 years old. So like when I'm doing red beans and rice, it's because I, be, you know, I love red beans and rice. I had it all the time. Or I do jambalaya. It's because like, I just had a craving for that. Um, like, you know, and that, the part of the problem too is like here in Utah, I can't get Cajun stuff, Creole stuff. You know, when I lived in St. Louis, I get whatever I wanted, right? Like Tasso ham and homemade andouille and, Boudin, I could get all that stuff. Now I have to buy it online. And so 
again, you know, just one of the drawbacks of Utah, but it is what it is. Like I'm a huge Creole Cajun like guy. Um, and so I'll go through runs where I'm going to cook a bunch of Creole and Cajun. That's what you've seen the jambalaya, the red beans and rice, uh, the cornbread, like that kind of stuff. Um, and then I'll get on kicks. Like we have our staples. Like that's what you guys don't see is like we do like we have our staples, like cheeseburgers. That's once a week. I'll grill out cheeseburgers, right? Um, stuffed green peppers or, you know, just stuff that we do. I do a broccoli, beef and broccoli, which I think is like maybe the best bang for the buck like recipe I've come up with recently. And like shameless plug for my stuff. I actually did shoot a bunch of videos for Chief Pigskin. Behind a paywall, but I shot a bunch of content uh, for cover two and barbecue last year for him. Um, but beef and broccoli was one of them. At first, it started off like grill the flank steak, saute the broccoli, make the rice, right? And yeah. then like one night we I wanted it, um, but the flank steak was frozen. So I was like, well, I'll just I guess I had some um, I had some ground buffalo or ground bison. So we just did ground meat, and the family was like, hey, by the way, the ground the ground beef's better than the the sliced beef. I'm like really i kind of like the steak better like nah it's better with just the ground so we just cool it took me 20 minutes less and so like now we've got it down to like i mean it's ground beef instant rice throw broccoli in a you know in a, a saute pan or an air fryer throw it all together hit it with teriyaki hit it with salt uh, with soy done so a minute for the minute rice right five minutes for the broccoli and however long it takes you to, to uh brown beef so 12 minutes, 13 minutes, you go from literally like opening up stuff, measuring to food on the table in less than 15 minutes. Okay. Right. And that's the stuff that I like to bring to guys. You know, that's the stuff I got to do a better job of getting it out there. So maybe, maybe after a little chewing that you gave me earlier, maybe I'll be a little more motivated to create some more cover to and barbecue. Cause I do love doing it. Uh, I just hate editing. I, I know. Like, I, like, I, that, that's the part, like I have five videos I have to edit right now. Like, and I'm just like, uh, like I get in swings where I'll do like, I'll do it like for like 10 straight days. I'll grind some out. Then I'll just be like, I, there'll be like a four week period where a video will just sit on my desktop. And I'm like, nah, I'm just, I'm not motivated. I'm yeah. I do this right now. Um, and also, by the way, if people are here just to watch football content, you can shove it and go to the tags below and find where we'll start talking football. Cause I really don't care right now Yeah. Think about it. it's my podcast. Um, yeah. but you mentioned bison there. How prevalent, how easy is it to get bison? So like, all right, like, everyone has gifts, right? I've had a few, right? I can coach a little football, right? I'm a, I'm a bad man on Game Boy testers, right? <laughs> like a bad man, right? Like, yeah. Sidebar, uh, my work phone, when I was in Washington, Missouri for the tech, for the tech, when I was in IT for the school, they gave us a district phone, right? The district phone had, it was an Android, had Tetris on it. I murdered a phone in 24 hours because we went on a road trip and I played, for two and a half hours, I played one game of Tetris for two and a half hours, didn't lose. We stopped to go to a gas station to get gas and a drink. When I came back, the phone wouldn't start up. I finally got to start back up and blew the graphics out. I took it back to the store like two days later, like, we've never had one do this. Like, what was happening? I was like, oh, I just was playing some video games on it. And like, what'd you do? I'm like, well, I did play one two and a half hour game of Tetris. They're like, what? Like, it was a road trip. I didn't, you know. So anyway. Uh, and then, yeah, so that's one of my gifts. And my other one is, I feel like, now I'm going to say this, and I, I don't know how we prove it, but I'm willing to do it. I am an elite level consumer when it comes to grocery shopping. Okay. Elite, right? If partly because of my math skills, right? I can figure out, you know, cents per ounce, 
right? Like I'm, I'm a very aware and diligent consumer in the grocery store. Yeah. Um, and so <clears throat> whenever like, and I also am ruthless. So like, let's say I go to the, like this had happened. We went to the Smith's, which is a Kroger and they had uh, marked down bison. So normally it was like uh, $12 a pound. It was marked down to like two or three bucks. They had 20 of them. I bought them all. That makes sense. And then frozen, right? Like the day they had, uh, they had uh, prime, aged prime uh, um, filet mignons for $9.99. I bought them all, right? Like, like right in front of somebody. Somebody else like clearly wants to grab them. I just literally arm rake them all into my basket. Like you can fist fight me for him if you want. Right. And so that's where I don't buy bison at the regular price. It's just that's I I can't afford to do. So, but what I do is when I see it on sale, I will buy every drop they have and freeze it. So, but yeah, it's available. It's just costly. Like you can get it at Costco. It just costs more. Right. Like you get it like you get two and a half pounds for like 20 some dollars or whatever. So, whenever it's three or four dollars a pound, or like we found it recently for 99 cents a pound. We pull the trigger. And so then like it becomes a, how do you use it? I use it for stuff that like, it's important. If we're doing hamburgers, it's really, really good. But if I do it for beef and broccoli, I'd rather use it in beef and broccoli because it tastes a little better. It's a little leaner. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. Or like somebody locally kills an elk. Maybe they're nice enough to give me some and I take it. Right. So um, that's part of it. But yeah, it's just grocery store, but I just, I'm really diligent. I don't buy it at retail. It's just too expensive. It blows the budget. Um and that's the thing too about being a good cook is like I go to the store, I'll buy what's on sale. I can make a meal out of anything. So yeah. I'm not like, oh, I have to go get this. If I show up and it's expensive, like I'm not buying it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay. Because bison's just start, I'm just starting to see it a little bit more in stores. Yeah. Like, and like, it's, I mean, it's better for you. I mean, that's just the, yeah, it's got more grams for uh, uh, grams of protein per serving. Uh, it's got less fat. The fat's better for you, right? Like it's it tastes better. Um, so yeah, no, it's great. It's just you pay, you know you're you're paying for a premium. That's the problem is when it's nine dollars a pound and I could buy ribeyes for eight dollars a pound. Well, then I'd rather just have a ribeye yeah. than a pound of ground meat, right? Um, and that's the thing too is I just got a a meat grinder. That's probably the next thing that's coming on. I'm learning low key learning how to make sausage. So uh, I, I won't, I'm learning. Right. And so when I learn something, I go in crazy, but like I've like the other day I was in the store and I'm like, I want to make chili. And I didn't like the price for the ground beef. It was way high. I didn't particularly care for it. And like they had some steaks that were on sale. I'm like, Oh, 
I could just grind those. I have a grinder now. So I just bought it and ground my own beef for my chili, right? And so so now I've got that tool at my disposal so I can just turn everything I want into ground meat now, um, which is nice. But, you know, like the other day, I was like, man, I need ground turkey. And they didn't have any ground turkey. I'm like, hey, dummy, just buy the turkey breast. You can grind it yourself. So, yeah, you know, another tool to the arsenal, right? Like, not that I don't have enough goodies with all the other stuff I have. Now I have an attachment for the stand mixer to, to grind my own meat. And I'm going to learn how to make, I'm going to first start with like Slim Jims and beef jerky. And then I'm going to move up to my own sausages because I can't get good on and I can't get Boudin in Utah. So I either have to pay crazy amount of money and have it shipped, or I can just learn how to make it. And so I'm just going to learn how to make it. Which makes more sense financially, especially with the economy the way it is. It does. Yeah, yeah. And like, I'm sure like, you know, I'll get to dial in the spice. You know, like I like things incredibly spicy. My wife, sometimes black pepper wears her out. So like if I, I can make, you know, I can make it to where like, if I want to put it in like jambalaya for everybody, then I can maybe back off the andouille a little bit and make it not as spicy. Um, right. Whereas if I'm like, let's say I'm just grilling up some andouille to have or whatever, I can make it as hot as I want. That's part of the other part of it too. Or even making like different brats, you know, apple brats and different things like that. Okay. Now I'm I'm going to ask before because you, I'm now just curious why Tetris. Why is that your like? I mean, everybody's got their thing for a reason. Like, why why are you destroying phones just to play Tetris? Dude, I was put on the earth to play Tetris, dude. Like I'm telling you, like this is Game Boy. Like I had the Game Boy. I had the Game Boy Light back in the day, right? The light they put on, so you could. It all started like what, seventh grade, so nineteen. 1990 right 1990 seventh grade basketball season right um all the bus rides so everybody had you know you had your discmans or your walkmans or whatever and i had a game boy and they had the little light that slid on it so i could play on the dark bus and so but my favorite game because it was all like eight bit kind of black and white my favorite thing was tetris and so i just played tetris plus like i mean it was great i can't it's hard to say that we were poor because i had a tetris before everybody else but we were poor, so I only had one game, the game that came with it, Tetris. Like, it got me football, but the problem was it was, like, gray versus black. So you, didn't, you didn't know who was what, and then, like, tennis was okay. But the games were super limited. And, like, so I just played Tetris to the point where, like, even my Game Boy would get so hot, it would just turn off. Right? Like, as a kid. Like, I would just play and go and go and go and go until I would just wear, like, the batteries out or the thing would get so hot and stop working. Um, but, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I'm just really good at it. You know, it's problem solving, reactions, kind of seeing it for whatever it is. I don't know. I'm really, really good at it. That's what it's like. If I could turn professional in Tetris, I should have. Seriously, like I was, I, I joke around, like, you know, like I, I did a presentation the other day at a clinic here in Utah, and I told them I was predisposed to three things, naturally predisposed to three things. I said diabetes, a potty mouth, and cancer. And the guy goes, and I go, and I got two out of the three. And he goes, God, let it not be cancer. Like, that. like it's not cancer, boys. Like, I'm going to, because, you know, I, you know, Utah is not always a fan of me using the whole dictionary. Right. Right. Um, now, granted, I've never had a 15-yarder thrown on me. I've never been ejected yet. But uh, when I was given my clinic, I was getting excited. I was, I was like, look, guys, I'm going to, I'm going to use words you probably don't like. And I'm sorry. Just know that, like, my dad was a bricklayer and like every year at their like the their summer picnic, 
they would give out this the horse's ass award and it was literally like the the trophy was the back half of a horse and it was for the person with the worst mouth on the job site every year and my dad was like seven years running like i'm just genetically predisposed to having a filthy mouth and so i was like it's just gonna happen i don't mean anything by it. it's just how i communicate and that's why the you know i was holding my drink i'm like that's why i've got the sugar-free drink because i've got diabetes so there we go and so that was it you know that was it and so but i think like god-given ability you know tetris is one of them but i got an elite level consumer in a grocery store man like i feel like i could give people lessons like i would improve people's lives like i think i'm as just as effective in the grocery store as i am as a dc oh you might i mean and i'll just say this because i have friends obviously friends who do youtube stuff like i do yeah Uh, one of the one of my friends the most popular video on his entire channel is a beard oil video. Nice. He does football podcasts and other things. Draw play drawing. Like the most views is one of his when he was testing beard oil. That's like, hilarious. So I'm I'm just saying maybe going doing a, a video on that might be yeah. a good idea. Yeah, and it's funny too. Like I'm a pretty sharp S and C guy, right? And like but I'm fat. Right. And I'm like, I can cook really healthy, but I've got diabetes. Right. Um, I was the, I would, when I was a sprints coach, I was over 300 pounds. So like we go to these track meets and I was the sprints jumps coach. And I would be like, like, we know the one year I was like 360. Right. And I'm the guy in charge of sprints and 360 pounds. And I'm a baseball player. Like I didn't run track or anything. And so we would show up these track meets and they can, you'd see people look at me like, you don't coach the throws. Like, well, I do coach the throws too, but I'm a, I'm a, elite level sprints coach at 350 pounds. So that's just, that's just me, man. I, I show one thing and can deliver another, but I, yeah, you're right. I probably should be like, this is how you actually go into a grocery store and get as much value as you can and flexibility in like in cooking. Like I've often thought about like, I'd love to do a series for like young coaches, bachelor coaches. And like, look, like we talked about, like, when I was dirt poor, when I first moved out and like I was pawning stuff to make rent and gas money, like, but like I could still cook and like, you know, having like the whole complete pancake mix that you just need to add water and like staple things like getting a bag of potatoes and understanding that a bag of potatoes will keep you alive for a very long time, mm-hmm. you know, until paycheck hits. Like, I feel like I could do a series of like staples, like how, this is how you grocery shop. This is how you buy pantry items and, you know, kind of thing. Like there's definitely like an art to it. Um, oh yeah. And, and you know, you know, there's plenty of, and we've talked about this before, this, you don't make a lot as a coach. And when you're fresh out of college, just got your, say your first teaching job and you're not making a lot of money and you got student loans and you're coaching and not make it like, or you're a GA in college and getting paid nothing. Yeah. These are things you need. I mean. Yeah. Yep. Now, and there's tricks to it too, man. Like I said, like being able to go in there and having the flexibility in your skill set to go into like, oh, this is on sale. I'm, that's what we're eating, um, you know? So, yeah, so that's, you know, plus like, it, you know, like I said, the inspiration thing, like sometimes like the last thing I want to do is cook dinner tonight, right? But like, if I, like all I have to do is order like Wingstop once or like go out to eat for the four of us and pay that amount of money. I'm like, oh, that's a week and I have some groceries. Like, you know how many meals I could make for $58? Like we go to five guys. And it's $70 for four people. I'm like, oh my God, I could have fed us for four days, like three meals a day, uh, you know, kind of thing. And so that's what happens. I get fed up. We go out to eat. I get pissed off because I spent a bunch of money. And then I'm like, all right, 
That's it. No more eating out. We're eating at home for the next week. You know, that's kind of how it works. I get it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so some actual football. Let's do it. <laughs> you know, I I could we could do this all night. Like I I'm enjoying my like I was I think I think when you started in with the Tetra stuff, I was almost crying. So uh hey, it's Hey, man, if you don't know yourself, if you're not self-aware, you're going to struggle in this life. And if oh, there's yeah. anything I know is I know me. And uh, like I said, like just everybody's got weird things. Well, I can I can mess up some Tetris. I can go forever. There, There is a reason I have certain repeat guests on, and it's because I need stuff like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Therapy. Yeah, yeah. Like I went to Athens this morning, watched practice, talked to a couple nice. of their, to their friends. Like, I mean, oh. Iowa Mater Ohio University has been very good to me. Like, and me and their line coach are, are are good friends. And so I went down there, watched practice, and hung out for a while. Like today is is therapy day for me, essentially. So, um, nice. but given, I mean, you've, I mean, let's just not lie. Like Park City, you had some talent. I mean, not maybe the best talent in the state, but you had talent. Like you had yes. some dudes. Yes, Clark Canyon, where you're at right now. I mean, I mean, we talked about before we came up you on screen. What like nine of your ten seniors that were on your team last year are playing college football next year? Yeah. Okay. That's D. What no matter what division that is, that's talent. Like that's, just on just on defense. Yeah. We just have, have D one kids on offense too. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, even like you said, one was going like Colorado School of Mines. That's a good D two school. Like that's yeah, not no. It's uh, South Dakota School of Mines and Colorado Mesa. Colorado yeah. Mesa is another kid. But yeah, no, it's not like. Yeah, 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 dude. No, it's it, they can play. We yeah. got kids that can play, and they work hard. Um, but yeah, it's 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 unique. Like, there's no talent shortage at all. And um, you know, it's 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 you know, yeah. Park City, we got into a bunch of talent. Like, I think the senior class the year I didn't coach, I think six kids held D one offers. The year before that, I think there were like four or five. The year before that, there were like three for football, but like eight between lacrosse and some other stuff. Um, so like on like the title team in 19, the, you know, seniors, juniors, and sophomores that held the D1 offer in a sport would have been at like 18 kids. So you had kids that were going to be in D1 football players that couldn't get on the field as sophomores. So like talent was not the issue. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and you play schools that have talent. Like that's what people don't realize about Utah. Utah has legitimate yeah. talent yeah we went against the team that beat us in the title game um you know they had two four stars on defense four-star corner and a four-star dn the dn had an offer from everybody but georgia maybe like he's at texas he'll be an impact player for them um the other kid's gonna play corner for the for utah he's gonna be darn good um yeah man and they have you know they have eight all staters on defense Probably, probably long term, you're looking at seven or eight, probably D1 kids that got time. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. So, with all that, how is the talent at Park City and, and even now switching to Corner Canyon caused you to evolve defensively? And, and, and I'll also preface that with, and your year off. Well, I mean, I know that's kind of forced, but again, let's be honest. When we're a football coach and we have time off, we sit there watching videos watch game film and doodle on our pads and ask questions, a bunch of people. So how yeah. that year off plus those two different scenarios situations cause you to evolve. Yeah. So at park city, 
Um, we didn't really have, like we had, for that run, we had some decent size alignment. Typically, we don't have a lot of depth size ones, right? So we did, on the O-line was big. I had some good D-linemen, but like depth-wise, like after those those initial eight, it went down pretty drastically. Um, and I think so that's part of the reason why like we went to an odd front was because it's easier to have eight good linemen than it is to have nine good linemen plus backups, mm-hmm. right? And so, and then we also, oddly enough, even though we were considered undersized, we didn't always have a lot of DBs. We had a lot of like, linebacker kids even though size wise they weren't huge but just demeanor aggression speed right they were all linebackers and so that's why we went to the three five right um now the number one thing we did in our three five the number one thing we did was we would take the middle stack out and put a safety on when i wanted to go too high right mindly part of that part of that was because the receiver we had on offense who was all state or do everything kind of kid um he was the kid i would put in at safety and again, we talked about like talent, right? Versus like time and training. Mm-hmm. So like what we went in and we only played one coverage was when he was in, we played quarters. That's it. That's the only thing he asked him to do because he wasn't, even though he's a basketball kid, he sucked at man-to-man coverage. So we just played quarters and I just let him run around. He let us in interceptions for two years, zero minutes of individual time, right? And so my first move was because that didn't change my my middle backers read, like reads and fits. I still had my two overhangs and it allowed me to like play full field coverage and quarters with him. And so it was like zero teaching. And so that was my first adjustment. Um, even if I got like a backer got tired, like if some of my backers played fullback for a while. And if I'm like, he, you know, I had a, my, my backers busted like a 70 yard trap for a touchdown, right? We kick off, they mishandle the kickoff. The ball's like on the two. But I look over at my stud, Mike, and his tongue's hanging out of his head because we play at 7,500 feet elevation, Yeah, right? We're a mile and a half up. And so I'm like, I got to go dime. on. They're on the two. I have to go dime because I'm better off putting the other dude in at safety and playing a backer down than trying to put my backup backer in. And so in that year off, um, I really thought about, would I just be a 3-4 guy? And it might be easier to just bring that safety down to that middle spot and let because he didn't really have a he doesn't have a run fit in the three five and he doesn't have pass responsibilities in the three five. He's just free. So I'm like, well, if I if I just took my free safety and put him down at six, six and a half yards over the ball and told him just go find the ball, do whatever, that's that doesn't change any of my rules. That doesn't affect anybody. And I can get into that personnel grouping without having to sub. So that was the part I started digging into. It was like, can I be, am I more multiple by being in the three, four? Yeah. And then, so my year off, that's kind of what I did. And then whenever I got the job, um, you know, cause I think deep down, I'm a four, two, I'm a four, three, four, two, five guy quarters, palms guy. Yeah. Right. And then, but like, there's certain things about that defense I hate and I don't like coaching it. Right. Like I didn't like the three, five when I moved to it because it was bored. Yeah. I was bored. There was nothing to coach. We lined up, we played ball. That was it. You motion. We don't care. We change formation. We don't care. We're not breaking our stack. Right. And so like, I confuse like not having to adjust as being like a lazy coach. <laughs> right. Like, I was like, well, there's nothing for me to do. Like, yeah, except stop the run really well and play the fat. Like we were playing great defense and I had nothing to do. Like, wasn't that the goal? Eventually my dumb ass figured that out. And so I, I get the job at corner and they're like, Hey, you know, they've been had all the success as a four, three, Palmstein. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to change everything. 
right? So they, they run the defense. They've had all success running the defense that I actually probably like. I'm like, yeah, we're not doing it. And so we went to our three, four, changed everything, did all this other stuff. And then even this year, I'm like, I've got, I've got the forefront personnel. And then I start drawing stuff up and I come back to all those little things that I hate about the four, two, five or the four, three. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing it. I'm going to stay on my three, four. Like I just, I can adjust it and we can give people more fits. I can get into some four, three, four, two, five looks. Um, but I don't have to give away. Have, I, if I ever have to get rid of my, both my overhangs, I don't want to coach football. That's the big takeaway is if I'd rather have two overhangs and deal with everything else than being a four, two, five and have to try to figure out how to run support with that safety. My days of doing that are over. <laughs> they just are. They are over. I'll go to a five-two cover Tampa cover two before I'll go back to a forefront. And not because I don't love it, not because it's not cool. I just the the problems that you have to fix as a coordinator aren't worth the time for me. Yeah. Um, and so that's what that's what happens when you get a year off, right? You start drawing stuff and you like learn like if right the next time what am I going to do? Um, and so I had those. Well, I saw, I think I handed my official, I was officially resigned on July 1. And by this time last year, I was a coordinator. So, you know, I had what, about eight months to kind of work through some stuff. And that's what it came out to. It was like, this is what I want to do. I, I know I can coach it. I know it's going to work. Okay. Now, now, now with, with that, because like, I, I, after, I mean, I've done this, what, 12, 13 years now. And I get the perception that a lot of times, especially with offensive head coaches, because let's be honest, offensive guys typically get the jobs more often. You see that in college too. Yep. Um, But I've gotten the sense talking to defensive coaches that a lot of them get like a book thrown at them and say, run this style defense. And that's the extent of help they get. And then then it's on their own. They have to go find it a clinic or whatever, like what recommendations would you give for first time DCs? Like as they start trying to build a playbook or figure out their stuff. Yeah. Uh, first about the thing about talent. I don't care about talent. I do not care. I do not care, concern myself with what, how talented a kid is. I only care about them playing to the standard, playing the rules execution. You're a lot of times talent's a burden in this world. Right. A lot of kids are talented and we look at them and they don't have the work ethic and all those things. And it causes a, a riff. I only care about your effort. I only care about your commitment to execution. I do not care if you're talented. Your talent will get you on the field. But when I look to a kid, I look to our side. One of the biggest blowups we had as a as a program this year when I came in was is that people, there was a hierarchy of value based upon talent. That doesn't work with me. The hierarchy comes from your work ethic. If you have your role and you execute your role and you're committed to your role, then you have the utmost importance to me and the staff. And so if you think because you're talented that you're somewhere ahead of somebody, no, not the way it works. And so like, I just simple and it was cruel and it was intentionally rough. And I had coaches that didn't get it. I said, if we're the last, if, if a black Jersey is the last Jersey on the practice field, even if you're on time, we're running gassers. Yeah. I don't get you can be 15 minutes early, and if you're the last kid to come on the field is a black jersey, we're running. Right? And so, sure enough, like the lowest kid on the totem pole was the last kid on the field. He was one minute early. We ran. The kids freaked out. I said, you seem to think that you're special. 
Mike, that kid who showed up, the last kid on the field, he has to be committed to this and know his role and be excited about executing his role. And if he does, you guys need to make sure that he knows he's valued. Right? We're going to spend four times the amount of time off the field as we do on the field. Right? Four days of practice, one day a game. You better value the work. You better value the guy that does his thing. Because talent, I can't guarantee a playing time. I can't guarantee the talent part. But I guarantee you, if you work your ass off and do what's asked of you, you will have a high value within this team. Yeah. Right? So for me, talent's great. I also don't. A lot of times, talent just gonna get your ass chewed more. So, the, when it comes to just that's who I am, right? Yeah, I'm, no, you're right. First day at practice, Eli Alford, who's at at Montana, is a badass nose guard. Love the kid. He's between like prep school and COVID year, he's gonna graduate with like his bachelor's and two masters. Stud of a human. His uh, his uncle is the running back coach at the U at Ohio State, right? Okay. So right, great kid, great family. Love him. Love his brothers. But I jumped his ass day one. I didn't care. I went right at it. I'd been in town. I'd been in Park City less than 12 hours, and I went at the best player they had. The only D1 kid on the roster, and I chewed his ass. Right? So I'm a little bit of a psycho. Um, so, yeah. So that was about talent. The Your question was about um, – Like like for, for young new DCs or – first year. Or people who have just been like, oh, you're on my defense. Here's a book on the 3-3 three, three or 4-4 yeah. or what, whatever. Run yeah. it. Yeah, so first off, don't take that job, right? If you're a coordinator and you're coming in, now it's different if you're on staff and you have exposure to that process or whatever. But if you're being brought in to run the defense and you don't have some personal stake and belief in what you want to do, then you have no business doing it. Secondly, if someone says you have to run this defense, lock, stock, and barrel, don't do it. Yeah. Right. You better. It's never going to be better. There's never there's never more of a honeymoon period than the beginning. And if you're not like, hey, bro. I'm a you know, I believe in this or I believe in three high safeties or I believe in two high or one higher. Boy, you better have those conversations in the beginning. Right. Like that's when you do it. And if they say no, you think, D.C., you're going to run. I tell them stick it in their ass. I'm not going to do it. Right. Like. In Washington, when I was there, they hired a new head coach. We had a conversation. I did not like the way they went. I don't have to coach for you. He's entitled. He's the head coach. He's entitled to get what he wants. I also do not have to work for you. Right? And so that'd be my number one thing is like, if you get in that situation and somebody's asking you to do something you don't believe in, and they expect you to be awesome at it and sell to the kids and have enthusiasm and execute it and adjust it, do all those things, and you don't believe it inside your core, don't job. There are millions of other jobs. You'll be, you'll be happier and more successful coaching backers or something else somewhere else. Don't do it. Fight for yourself in the beginning. That being said, uh, you better have what you want to do in your mind, right? Now, you can have that. Then the next step is, is like, does that apply? You know, like there are guys that like, I love the guys down in Texas, but they all see, they only have to see 10 and 11 personnel spread. Mm-hmm. If you're going to see wing T and split back beer and all this other stuff, you better have solutions. So that's the next thing is, is like, if it's not in your, now you don't have to install it. You don't have to run it. You don't have to call it. Preference. If it's not in your playbook, if you don't have the answer in your playbook before the season starts, then you're screwed. Mm-hmm. Right. Whether you install it, whether you call it, you better have answers built in. You better have a system for making those answers on the fly. 
Okay. You have to, part of being a coordinator is having the vision and the foresight to understand the problems that are going to be posed to you week seven. Okay. I also believe that you should look on your schedule and understand the games, the coin toss games, right? We got to have coin flip games. But these are the teams we should beat. These are the teams that we ain't going to beat. These are the coin flips. We better win, figure out who won the coin flips, right? And so let's say one of those coin flip games, that team runs smash all the time. Well, just because you're playing that split back rear team sec week two doesn't mean you don't defend smash that week in sevens or in air, you know, whatever. You've got to acquire reps against what things you're going to have to be good at. You're not just preparing for the game plan every week. You're preparing for the long haul of the season. That's the biggest benefit of coaching in a state like Missouri or Utah, where you're going to make the playoffs. And so you can afford, you need to have a global view of your development, of your, of your playbook, of your ability to make calls. You don't have to rush it. If you go to a state like Illinois, where you have to win five games, boy, you better be humming. Right. So it's a little different. Right. So that's what I was saying. Understand your schedule, understand the answers that you're going to need, have them in there and at your disposal. All right. Another great piece I'll tell you from a, from a, once you're there, is keep every single one of your practice plans and then spend five to 10 minutes after every practice taking notes, right? Taking notes and then keeping all those and cataloging them throughout the year. Put them in a three-ring binder, keep them. End of the season, you're going to want to review those, right? So like prime example, my first year as a DC, you know, stubborn, whatever. One of my biggest issues was is I'm not a micromanager. Just not, it's not who I am. Because because I take myself as a coach very seriously in my preparation, I just kind of assumed everybody's that way, and it's not the truth. Right. You've coached for 20 years, and yet you don't know how to organize 15 minutes of individual time. That's a reality. I didn't understand that because everybody I'd ever coached with didn't wasn't the case. So I'm a first-year DC, and I'm, I've got a coach under guys that were turds. I didn't know there were coaches that were like that, right? And so I made notes about, like, the things that I made a mistake with and not preparing them to do what I needed them to do, right? Not that I can fix them being lazy, but I can definitely make sure that I know they have a 15 minute plan, a 10 minute plan and a five minute plan for individual time, like rehearsed paper. What are you going to do if you have 15 minutes? If we're going to do A, B, C, and D. Cool. Teach me like I'm one of the kids. Take me through 15 minutes of Indy, right? That's year two coding. And the reason year two coding that is because there were notes and patterns that I was taking like, God, he just wastes time. They're not efficient. He doesn't even know what to teach. And then I'm like, well, if he doesn't know what to teach, then whose fault's that? Mm -hmm. That's my fault, right? The second thing I did was I like I uncovered like install problems. So when we were a four-two-five my first year, when we went against heavy sets, it was hard to get my Sam to want to come back in the box at second level. If it was a tight end, he kind of got going up and covering a tight end. But if it was like three back offense type thing or something, he didn't understand loading back in the box. And so year two, I, my first install was from the four, three, he was in, we started with him in the box because it was very intuitive of the kid to be like, oh, there's trips. I need to bump out. But it wasn't intuitive to come back in the box. They understand space. They don't understand because they've never watched or seen a lot of like heavy, 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 like heavy run teams. So like that was the year two, I got better because I realized like, even though we're a four, two, five, and we're going to play four, two, five, 98% of our snaps. I'm going to install it from the 4-3 vantage point because it's easier for them to understand the progression of learning from starting here. Again, it's something that I learned by going through my notes. I'm like, they just don't get it. It's so hard to get them back in the box. Got to find a way next year to make sure they understand this. And so when I read the notes at the end of the season, 
and I read them again before I started creating my install plans. I went, oh, dummy, let's start them inside. Teach them inside day one. And then I bet they figure out when there's trips, they'll walk out there, right? And so that's the art of like, like I said, knowing yourself, right? Like that's a huge piece. And if that's one thing that people can steal from me, besides my Italian beef recipe, that should be it. Really should, right? Oh no, I lost, I lost you. You went completely off frame there. But that's, but yeah, so for me, that's what I would tell them, right? I would tell them a little bit of how about to doing it, a little bit about their prep. Notice we haven't talked about indie time and all that stuff. Like it, it really is. There's so much of the work is done before we get going. Um, you only have so much bandwidth. I'm I'm pretty sharp cat, pretty sharp. But even my bandwidth depletes at times, mm-hmm. right? And so I have space and time now to make those adjustments. Like I've got adjustments that we're going to do for next year. Like when I was talking with my defensive back coaches about the progression of which we're going to teach um, coverage. Last year we had a dot, 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 and I think like it went well, but we ended up playing uh, Palms more than maybe we expected and Palms went in super late, right? Which, I mean, if you tell somebody that, they're like, what? If you're going to play Palms, it should go in super early, right? And we, they had played Palms in the past, so that helped. But realistically, like our install from last year can't be our install from this year if we're going to play that much Palms. Right. Cause you can literally see when like we're behind with that coverage. We played other coverages. We were better because we had more reps banked over the summer. So uh, we were talking about the progression, you know, like how this last year we went A to B to C to D. Right. And this year, maybe we need to go A, D, B, C. Right. Like we maybe we need to push palms up sooner. Maybe we don't. We'll see. But, you know, those are the conversations that we're having in. March, right? So that we can have, so then when we get to May, I can start having Zoom meetings with them and teaching them, hey, this is what we're doing, right? Hopefully I'll have two or three new guys I'm trying to teach them the defense. Um, you know, realistically, that's that's the goal. But yeah, that's a DC. Ultimately, everything is, they're all yours. Just like you, like most people that are coordinators have been a position coach and probably been a pretty good position coach. Okay, now you've got half the roster or maybe you've got the whole roster depending on your school. It's no different. Creating relationships, creating an efficient time of use, creating skill sets from a technical standpoint, scheme standpoint, all those things. But now instead of it being eight kids at safety or 15 kids at D-line, now you've got 55, 60 kids to do that with, right? And then there's one more layer in there that you've got to coach is you've got to coach and enable your your positional coaches to be excellent as well. Because maybe you were a guy that didn't have to be micromanaged. Does not mean they aren't. Doesn't mean that that you shouldn't make sure that they're comfortable. And you can't be afraid to be like, all right, teach me. Right? And when they skip steps, you know it. Like, no, 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 no. I'm a 14-year-old dumbass who's never played before. I don't know which way to put my knee pads in. But you expect me to know this. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, they don't even know what they don't know. And so for you, like, you can't assume. You better have a plan that literally walks them through everything little progression and so and if you can't teach me a guy who's been doing this for a long time got some you know even though i'm chubby i get good feet like you should be able to teach me that right and so i think making them almost like rehearse it with you is wildly impactful right and so plus it verifies to you that they know what the hell they're doing and you know here's the thing maybe your guy has a great drill and it's it's yielding results for these kids but you look down there and it looks 
right? Like I look down every day, I look down at our quarterbacks. <clears throat> and they're throwing over pool noodles and doing sh and I'm like, I mean, I just drives me crazy. Okay. But if you want to go look at where his dudes are playing quarterback at, shut up. It's working. Right. But if like if I had seen him teach that, right? Yes. To me and had a discussion about, hey, well, why are you teaching it that way? Why do you think that works? So now when I look down and I see that drill, I know what the hell that drill is and why it works. So it also gives me, a, that kid, an ability to show his creativity or his ability to, to connect or communicate a technique that maybe I personally don't get. But it doesn't mean it's bad. It just means I, it's out of context. Like I got a buddy who just got our head coaching job. He's going to call the defense, right? He's going to be involved in the offense, but he's not calling the offense. And so, but he, one of the things that we talked about is that he's mandating not what they run, but that they use his language so that whenever he pops in to support the offense, he doesn't have to translate. Right. So when he comes in and they call it like, you know, da, 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 whatever the call is, it's in his language. So he instantly can pick up what they're doing as opposed to if the OC, he's letting the OC call the offense. He's letting him install an offense, but the formations are his formation names. The plays are his play names. So that whenever he walks into the offensive room, he can instantly relate and help. Yeah. Whereas him, he doesn't have to take out the decoder ring to figure out what the hell they're saying. Um, and so I think it's the same thing with your position coaches. Get on the same page. Spend time with them. Make sure that they can teach you the drill and that it's approved. You know, and then you can help them as also develop. Because I think um, while those guys were lazy turds my first year, and it's a shame on them, ultimately it's my job. And we weren't as good as we could have been defensively from a technique standpoint because I didn't micro, I would say micromanage, but I didn't, I didn't facilitate them or support them to do the things that I felt they should be doing. Okay. Now, now what that, how's your install plan evolved? You mentioned your install plan there. And obviously I think the longer each of us do this and call a side of offense, I've called all three phases at this point. Um, I mean, how you approach things year to year obviously changes and you learn what you do wrong and all that. How has yours evolved and how was your typical like timeline? I know a timeline varies based off the kids you have and your staff. Mm -hmm. How's that kind of sped up or been changed over the years? Yeah. So, you know, the biggest thing is like, I want to do as much as same as teaching. And it's really the same as this. Hey, don't worry. I know we call it a different thing. It's the same as this. Hey guys, you know what this really is? It's, hey, it's, remember this call and this call and this call? We're just putting them together, right? So I want to like, so refer, one of the first things we do is we put in a cover two, like a true cover two, right? So two by two cover two, it goes in really early, okay? So the problem is, is that one of the things that we have to put in next, even though we may not run it hardly at all, I may never even call it, is I have to put in some sort of check when we get two by two motion to trips. So progressively teaching, I can't go back and reteach that. Like when I teach cover two, the next coverage, even though it's not as important as the coverage I want to teach next in the progression, I have to stop and teach our checks to tr like motion to trips. So from an install standpoint, it can't, I used to be like, well, we're going to be 80% this and 15% this, and we're going to install them in this order. And realistically, that just doesn't make sense, right? Because we're going to go over to sevens. We're going to get two by two and our offense is going to motion to trips and we're not going to know what to do. So our first thing we're going to install, when we, once we install the cover two, we're going to install our 
our adjustment, right? So the same thing for like our defensive line, right? So defensive line, we're going to put in our 505, our 404 first, right? Because we run three basic fronts. We run a tight, we run our heads up, and we run in like the fives, 505. I can install the forehead, the 404 and the 505 faster than the tight front for the lineman, right? So then I have to start, you know, prime examples, I started thinking about like the difficulty, the time that they need to gain mastery and adaption to these things. So like I can install, like that's why I stopped doing palms is because I used to be able to think I can treat cover two, cover three, and cover four, country cover four, two, and three, easier than palms. And so then all I have to do is make the call. Because Palms is super, super expensive to install. Mm-hmm. And so I got away from it because I could teach other things faster and easier. And it was easier to, dige- to digest. Okay. And so the same thing with like, when I look at my D line, like, all right, what do we do with the D line? Well, I should, tight front takes the most, but we can learn how to live in the 505 and the 404. Right. And so then when we finally go to like, you know, so I can install two fronts day one. Right. And then, so day two, we will do 50% of the reps between 505 and 404 and 50% between tight, right? And then we slowly, once we have that, we will even them up. But it's that's the other thing we do. So it's same as teaching. And then we also go from like simple to complex. Four eyes, more complex. It's it's more unnatural for these guys right? because you've got, we would teach a sight key and a pressure key. Whereas when we teach the other ones, it's all pressure. And so um, that's the progression, right? And so what we might do is we layer as well. So like, for D-line, we start off with our fronts, right? But the first thing we do is stance. Stance, get off, and hand placement, right? Well, we'll just start slanting, even though I won't give them the call for slants yet. So, hey, slant right, they slant right. Hey, slant left, slant left. No landmarks, no nothing. Just getting them to drive their hips out, right? And then we'll put in the tags for slanting, even though they might be slanting for two or three days, right? Day three of slanting, like in, in our get-offs, we'll put landmarks. Hey, now just look over here. This would be the guard's hip. So slant, like visually see the guard's hip, slant to the guard's hip. We might put trash cans in, have them slant to the trash can, tag, get vertical, right? So we're teaching them the technique without calling it anything. So that when we go in to install it, I'm like, hey guys, we're going to go over. So means you're going to slant strong, right? So that's the guard's hip. That's the guard hip like you do against the trash cans. They're like, yeah, all right, go. So a lot of times we'll teach them the individual technique or like scheme thing without teaching what we're doing. And then be like, hey, remember how we do that in that drill? It's actually, that's this, right? And that just takes through like time, time and time and time, right? And being kind of the art of coaching. Um, but that's all done in, like that's done collaboratively, right? Like I sit down with a D-line coach. I'm like, all right, this, where do you want to start? What do you want to do? Hey, last year, how did this go, right? Hey, you know, did we have any problems getting them to wrong arm? Are they not understanding this? Like you should have seen, I did a video in the hallway, it waits to do wrong arming. We looked awful. Looked awful. And the kids were laughing. Like, oh, it's been a while. We're rusty, right? But by the third rep, they had it back in place, yeah. right? And so, right? So it, it, I think that's as far as like install, I think it changes to try to be as smooth as possible. I also think like I wait what we teach to, to the individual groups at a given time, right? So if we're doing like country cover two and like the role or our adjustment to trips, like that's pretty, it's pretty easy. So we might teach three coverages in the night or in a camp day with those, right? So it's cover two, the adjustments to rolled trips, and then like maybe some one other thing. The next day we could do palms. We'll only do palms. We'll just each don't care. We'll, we'll play palms against everything, 
or for playing man. Don't care. We're in man. That's all we're going to do. Um, and then, so that's what I tend to like to do is do like, start really simple, add in ones that need more time, split it 50, 50, and slowly bring in more, um, you know, that they can handle, you know, so it's not an overload, but also I'm not afraid to just not install stuff. Like our first seven on seven of the university of Utah, the you'd shoot, um, we might only have three covers in. Like we, if we only have three, if we have quarters, man, and cover two, then that's what we'll have. Like, we'll just, we'll figure it out. Um, so I don't ever rush anything. And I think that's part of it too, is like what you're talking about, like we're asking for is like, when do you know you can move on? And I think it's just like, just like, you know, barbecue. It's just like anything else. Like how long do you bake a cake until it's done? Like how, when do, when do you move on? Yeah. Well, when you feel like you can, when there seems like a semblance of order to where like, okay, we can afford to do this. Um, I think that's, that's the, again, one of the arts of coaching is knowing like, all right, they have it. But I do think you can help yourself by logically thinking out a progression of like, we're going to teach this skill set. What's the next most important thing or the skill set that we need to support this. Um, you know, that's, that's the way I look at it. At least I don't know if that's the perfect way, but um, that's the way that it has, I feel like, you know, it, it should go in. Like I said, like if I can save like, Hey, you're, it's the same as this. Hey, it's the same as like we put in like our cover three or our three high takes 45 seconds to install because I'm like, Hey, we're just going to run this coverage here and this and this, and then we're going to play this concept here. And you guys are going to be in tight front. And you're going to be in a double zero. Got it. We're like, yeah. Okay, okay, cool. Cause we have our backers are used to playing that boss technique, right? Where they bump out between the tackle and number three. Yeah. So I'll just tell my backers, Hey boss, Hey boss, uh, you guys are going to play down hard corner. You're going to play hard. All right, cool. Hard. You guys are playing. We're going to play cover two here. We're going to play a, a bracket between the, the number three receiver, the two boss backers and the middle safety. You guys are going to be in a tight front. Mill stack double zero guy. Yeah. Hey, just send the, send the nose guard one way or the other that, you know, which a gap you have ready break. That's the install because we've already installed cover two. We've already installed boss. We've already installed tight. So how can I put in our three high in a minute, the last day of camp or right before we go to a seven on seven, because I've installed all the other pieces on it. If that makes sense. Yeah, so, I did, you know, if I started with it, then I was like, all right, you're going to go this. You have to spend half your time here. And so instead of like just spending time on teaching techniques we already do. And then when I put it together, I can communicate. It's not technically, it's not bossing. Technically, it's not playing a hard corner. But they get the concept of it, right? They can line up and get moving in it and we can teach it on the fly. Um, so yeah, that's that's the way I teach my, that's the way I pre, you know, program or install is by, I try to get as much same as and make it logical, linear progression. Teach this concept that I can build on top of it to this concept and I can build on top of this concept. And I'm also not afraid to not until fall. Like, cause we'll restart. So if we go to spring ball, we'll start day one. When we go to summer camp in July, we're gonna start like we've never coached them before. So it'll be the exact same install as spring. And then when we go to the summer or the season, it'll be the exact same install pattern again. We might adjust it a little bit, but like the, the sequence, we're not going to assume they remember anything or that they were there or whatever. We're going to start fresh every time. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. 
Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yep. Boring. <laughs> I, mean, that, I mean, that's kind of the common method at this point is to restart at camp. Yep. And we just do it. Like- Even offensively, the air raid does that. Yep. The, the three day cycle, and every three days they they go back to the first thing. And they might add a little bit to it, but it's just yep. And that's just that's the way it works. And like I said, think about it ahead of time, lay it out, be willing to be wrong, take notes. Next year be better. Yep. You know, maybe you maybe you do it in spring. It's shitty. You fix it for the next install. Maybe the fall install goes better because you've gotten a little bit better. Um, but I think like just the you know as a track coach, I heard a guy one time talk about. Um, he spent a half an hour for every half hour at practice. So like if he had an hour and a half practice, it took him th- three hours to plan. It. Okay. Right. So if he had five practices a week, he'd spend 15 hours preparing for the week's practice schedule times a 16 week schedule. Yeah. So he would start laying out his, he'd have every training day, from the day one to the finals, he would periodize for the part of the, you know, championship series, general prep series, right? Like, cha- like all the different sections of the, of the, of his calendar. And then within those calendar dates, he would have, whether it was an acceleration day, a volume day, a this day, a this day, right? So he would spend hundreds of hours planning out every day, every minute of every day of every practice. And and like when I, you know, cause I was like, I kind of felt bad cause I was doing that to a degree, right? I was spending so much time and then like it rained and you're like, well, we're not going to go run hills at the cemetery today cause it's freezing rain. Right. And so you, you got to learn to be able to still adapt on the fly. But I think that would be the challenge to like a first year DC is how good are you at envisioning that progression? Yeah. Just for, as a first year head coach. Right, you went from a position guy to coordinating a third of the game to a half of the game. You know, now it's just like just growing it, and now you have to envision special teams install and the O install, and the D install, and the weight program. And the better you are, yep. And the better you are at that, the more successful and more happy you're going to be. Well, why are why are some guys good head coaches and you know good great coordinators coaches? Because whatever skill that is is just past their reach. Yeah. Right. And I know that there's really good head coaches out there that are probably coordinators because they don't have, they were good at that, but they're better at the other stuff. It just is what it is. Yeah. It's a whole different world. Whole different just, world. Just, just, just like a, a position coach and a coordinator is a whole different world, too. Mm-hmm. It is not even remotely the same. Yeah. No, I've, I've been a head coach of a track program that was pretty big and we, we've gotten really, really big. Um, and, and Boy, there's so much like the like you know, and there's the stuff that you hate. Like everybody's bad at something, right? Like you're just bad at the stuff that you don't like to do. Like I hate doing inventory, uniform inventory. Shoot me in the face. 
No, thank you. Right? Like, I don't want any part of it. So you have choice. Either you job of it or you create a system where it helps you do a good job at it. Yeah. Right? Like me micromanaging. I'm not good at micromanaging my assistant coaches. So I have to have things in place that counteract my, my natural disposition. You know, I'd rather talk and chop it up in the coach's office than have to be like, you didn't spend, tw- you only spent two minutes on, you know, I'm just, I, I'm never going to be that guy. Like, I just don't have it in me to be like, you know, I just don't. So. Now, you mentioned that you don't micromanage, but you also did mention you're going to get on a Zoom meeting with your assistants and install your defense. What does that process look like of installing the defense with your assistants? So last year was tough, right? So like, I, I like, we, we talk about it. I get on, you know, I show them stuff. I whiteboard it. Um, I've got a webcam that I'll set, I'll set up one laptop on me and like a secondary laptop with like my webcam on the whiteboard and it's whiteboard stuff. Um, and then what we did was once they learned my rules, cause everything I had a guy asked me uh, at a clinic this year, he was like, well, what scares you? You know, is there a certain play that scares you? I'm like, no, no. Cause everything we do sound, everything we do is sound. And so it's execution. Like we play our rules. But I'm like, well, how would you defend this? I'm like, just apply that. I did it in the clinic. I, I explained my rules. And like, well, how would you play power? I'm like, okay, well, what block did he do? He got a base block. Like, so what should you do? Like cross face. He got a down block. What like squeeze and stack? He squeezed and stacks. So we fit the whole run up. And all we did, I just like, well, what does he do against the base block? What's he do against the down block? What's his read? Is that open? Is that closed? And we fit it up. I'm like, there you go. We just apply the rule to whatever we get and it works. That's why it's our defense, right? It's sound. Now, are there some calls that are better versus certain things versus others? Yes. We constantly are talking about, hey, what's a good call? I'll ask the kids. They walk through on Monday. We do a thing called cadence. We line up and we go through their formations. I'm like, hey, what's a good call here? And the kids will give me a call. And I'm like, is there a better call? And some kid will be like, yeah, could we run this instead? I'm like, yeah, why is that better? Well, it just helps me. It usually helps them as an individual person, right? And then we talk about, okay, cool. Well, if we're better here, where are we weaker? Okay, we're weaker over here. So I do that for the kids, right? And so it's the same thing with the, with the coaches, right? Like we're going through it. Now, the nice thing about this year is, is like, I actually have our film with our defense. Last year, I would have to watch our opponents and we would visually have to stop. Okay, we're going to da, 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 da. He gets base block. What should he do? He got a down block. What should he do? Is that open or close? And then we would run through the play with our call, right? And then I'm like, okay, let's make another call. Let's change the coverage. Let's change the front. And so that's how I went through and taught the guys everything is that we I would have a play run out and I would have them talk their position group through the call. Does that make sense? And then, so then they started to understand good call, better call. Well, why are you calling our green instead of our blue coverage? Okay, well, let's watch blue. They're like, yeah, it's good. I'm like, all right, well, let's we'll go through green. And they can see the light bulb go on. Oh, green's a better call. So that's how I do it. So I, I do it two-dimensionally, and then we try to do it on the film. And all right, so like, that's how I teach the kids. That's how I teach my coaches. It's no different. And the, and the coaches, I mean, you know, I'd hope the coaches are easy to teach because I can get, that's the thing is like our defense looks really complex. We run, we run eight coverages. Three of our coverages have four tags. So when you draw that on, on, on up on a, like a playbook, people look at that. They're like, 
how do you teach all that? We do. Right. And it's, and that's how we do it. We, if I can get the kids to learn, I get the coaches to learn it, but that's what we do. We start two-dimensionally on the whiteboard. We get out in space. We review tape. We apply our rules. Everything we do has a rule. Everything we do, you know, we're in palms. Like, oh, number one, I don't need to know what number one did yet. I need to know what number two did. What number two did? Okay, well, that tells us what to do to number one, number all the other stuff. And we apply that across the board. Every call, and that's where it's maybe it is complex, is that our D-line has varied rules. There's not just one set of rules, right? It's not fair that the defensive backs have to know eight coverages and eight different sets of rules, and our D-line can just be meatheads. So like our defensive line from a complexity standpoint, they do more than most. Yeah. But it's not, I mean, it's not horribly complex, but the rules change by front, by front, by rule, by block. It all changes. So, but yeah, that's how we teach them. We just get on the zoom and I whiteboard and then let's start breaking it down. And then we just throw on film and talk about what a good call would be this year. It's going to be nice because we'll all be able to pull up our stuff. So we'll actually be able to get direct, you know, blocking, to like our front, to like when we're in a 404 or a 505. Okay. Tight front. We didn't play much tight because they feel like it's a punishment. Why? Because you get double teamed. You got to remember, I'm, I'm dealing with guys that were like 425 stand-up pass rush ends. And I'm like, hey, I'm this beard, fat bearded guy and you're going to learn how to wrong arm. And you're going <laughs> to love double teams, right? Like, and so I, I but I use this motivation. I'm like, all right, we can go 505, but you better stop the run. Because the minute you don't stop the run in 505, I'm going to jam your ass inside in a four-eye. And they're like, okay, got it. And I'll threaten them. I'll threaten the JV guys. I'm like, hey, we're coming out tonight. We're just going to get in a four-eyes because you guys aren't. They're like, no, no, no. We can stop the run in our fives. Okay, you get three plays. If they get a run over three yards in the first three plays and fives, I'm moving you to four-eyes. And you just hear them out there grunting, fighting like hell. Because they just know, like, there's zero chance of getting sacks tonight if he sticks us in four eyes. <laughs> you know, and you know, and so they, you know, it's just it's just one of those things. Like, I've learned how to flip that on its head, just same as our nose guards. Hey, you want to be double teamed because if you're not, you have to two gap, and you aren't good enough to two gap. Nobody is. But if you get double teamed, you play in the double team, you'll be a monster. And so then now they get to the point where, like, actually the double team is a reprieve. It's the easier thing to get. Yeah. Right. Okay. I'll put you in the four eye and get what I want out of you. Or you can have it your way, but I, you're going to give me the same result. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of thing. So, you know, because that's what they learned. That's one of the first things I told them was I'm going to get what I want out of you. It's easier just to just give it to me the first time. Right. Like just give it to me the first time. You you know, and we'll get along a lot, lot better because mm -hmm. I'm, I guarantee you, I'm more stubborn than you. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right, two more questions. I mean, I mean, we could go for eighteen hours. I, I have no, I have no doubt about that. First thing I want, I want, what is a, how do you typically structure a practice? Like you mentioned it a little bit there, and I think there's there's eighteen million ways to skin a cat, and everybody's kids are different, and um, you got to adjust to how your kids. But how have you typically structured, or how has your structure evolved for defense, and where you're at? Yeah, so new new school, new new practice schedule. Um, I think a couple of the, like, you know, when you come in, like, you know, like I said, like, uh, don't take the job where he, he's, you're mandated to do certain things. I also think as a as a coach, you have to know when the battles to pick, all right, and when to use a chip. And so 
Coach Care has had as much success as any head coach can have in any, anywhere. There, it's not even an argument. I know the two things that he would accredit his success to the most is his off-season weightlifting and his practice schedule. Okay. And so he's asked me, like, well, what do you, and I'm an SNC guy. I love strength and conditioning. And he's like, what do you see? And I've said, the only thing I'd like to see is a, I'd like to see a front squat. That's, and that's my only real beef. I like for us to be a little more technical on our cleans, but it's a fine line between you want technicians, but you also don't want to lose that meathead vibe that we have. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, but like, that's it. That's all I've ever said. I'd like to see his front squat. We don't front squat. I never said it a second time. Right. Yeah. Um, practice schedule wise. Um, it's pretty unique considering we're considered an offensive powerhouse. We never play sevens at practice. So I've had a couple of times I had to ask for sevens. We needed to work on some specific things, but we don't have like a true sevens period. Um, we'll do situational third and 12, third and mediums, right? We'll do more situational. It's the most situational periods I've ever been a part of. Okay. So that part I, I do like, we start up the, you know, we start up practice, dynamic warm up, all the basic stuff. Um, uh, we get into like, we have some one-on-ones. So passing wise, we do some one-on-ones while the linemen are doing one-on-one pass that pass rush. Not my favorite set for my, for my D linemen, but I do like that it services our own line. So I'm kind of okay with it. Right. Um, and then we'll have, like I said, we have a team period um, where we go situational baby red zone, third and 12, all that. We finish every practice with a two minute drill. Good on good market spot it someone works the clock right um and so that's fun that's a fun way to finish practice before we hit our cool down um we do a lot of scout and it kind of moves we do some some special teams but like we gain essentially we'll have like four scout periods an install period and like four scout periods on like a monday tuesday goes to five wednesday it goes to six so scout is true like we're two platoons so it's offense versus some offensive kid or the the defensive twos and threes are providing the scout. Same thing with defensive ones are getting the twos and threes from offense, maybe the threes and fours. Um, it's not fun for those kids, right? And, it's, and it doesn't challenge us very much. So I went to coach um, about halfway through the season. I was like, look, I'm willing to bring my ones over for three periods of scout work. So you can go good on good. We will do the scout work. We will provide scout for the ones. If you'll do the same for us. Because I'm about ready to give up completely on scout. Because the scout can't handle us. It's too fast. It's too violent. Kids are getting hurt. We have to go have speed. It is not helping us get better. We get better during situational. We get better during two minute. We are not getting better from anywhere from four to six periods of practice. Yeah. So he says, I don't know. And that's when we talked about practice plans and all the success he's had with it and why he does it. And I agreed with it a thousand percent. So I, this, I pushed a chip in. I said, well, just give me a day. Give me one day the way I want. If you hate it, I'll shut. If you like it, we'll see. Maybe it's one period, maybe it's two period, maybe it's three, whatever. So we did it one day and he's like, yeah, that's more, that's way better. Because also what he realizes is, is that even though he's scout, right. With his ones. We're running our, like literally I'll give him the scout cards and he'll just call our offense out. 
So the stuff he's running is still our stuff, right? It may not be part of the game plan. It may not part of what they're doing that week, but he's banking reps, running concepts that other people run that we also run. It's inside zone. It's trap. It's this. It's it's jet. It's the, well, we run all that stuff, right? So now he's not giving away periods. He's gaining six sessions one-on-ones mm -hmm. with your ones having a scout team provide a service attitude. Yeah. Right. And so if you want to look about, I could tell you what week it is. If you want to look at our team jump, it's then because we elevated our scout team. Right. Plus like I'm a team that's super multiple. People want to know, I go, how do you practice all those checks and tags? Well, guess what, buddy? When we play a four, two, five team, I have language that gets my three, four into a four, two, five. And so I'm getting practice at my weird stuff, my funk calls. Yeah. Right. And so instead of my kids being mentally checked out, it gets us inferior opponent for 15 minutes of practice. Now, at least they're going against a varsity speed guy with varsity skills. Maybe it's not something we run completely that way, but we can really, really approximate it really well. And that, I think that's something that you need to do. Plus when the varsity ones are like, so say varsity offense is going and the varsity one defense is giving scout, the JV offense is now down running scout for the JV defense. So they're getting good on good JV. They're getting appropriate matchups. If our scout team, if our defense is playing scout, I don't need to be there. I can now go down and coach the JV kid. So from a, from a, uh, I don't want to like a warm and fuzzy feeling, but like a lot of times JV kids feel like outcasts at practice. They're on the sideline or they're an afterthought. They can't, they're not an afterthought now because the varsity defensive coordinator, their position coach is down there with it. Coaching to the game plan, getting after them, right? You also now are not standing around watching. You're getting the same amount of reps against the same skill set level, right? As the varsity kid. You want to see why a JV team gets really, really good week seven, eight, nine, ten, 10 is because by the time they get to week four, they've had more reps than any JV team in the state will get all year while being coached by the varsity guys. So if you're going to steal, steal that from me, if you're two platoon, go good on good, provide the scout, be a service, be a teammate. We're talking about be your role. What's your value to the team? You're bringing value to your team by being a scout guy. Going hard, understanding you have a scout mentality. You're not there to prove anything, right? You're facilitating their ability to be ready. You're also freeing up those JV guys. You want parents not calling and not bitching like, oh, you don't care about JV. I don't care about the JV. I go down and coach them 15 minutes, just them. I leave them all those D1 kids, right? All my studs. I don't come down here and coach these kids. So from a PR standpoint, from a parent expectation standpoint, it really cuts a lot of that stuff off too. Um, not to mention what it does for your kid's ability to play better. Plus, if like in a program where you have a JVDC, now you can help him. You can support him. You can be linebacker coach. Hey, JVDC, what's your call here? And when he makes a good call, hey, that's a good call. What about you think about this? So now I can coach him as well, right? Which is important. How do you keep coaches around? How do you keep coaches uh, feeling valued? You invest in them, just like the kids. And so the JV program doesn't become a, a, an afterthought. So that's one of the few things that we, we we put in and it had a big impact. Uh, the other thing I would tell you, and we did this in Park City, is we call them opportunity sessions. So for five minutes after practice, 
you can take your indie group and go through some. Yeah. Okay. And so whether it's one kid, two kids, just the sophomores, the whole group, if a kid has a bad day at practice, he's missing a read, you jump his ass, you know, it's on film and it's bad. If you can correct it before he goes home and goes to bed and eats dinner, he's going to come back better. He's not going to be embarrassed during film before practice the next day. Right. You can literally call back. Hey, Johnny, remember we talked about this, see this. Yep. Okay. We're going to be good today. And so that kid can get a good night's sleep. He can feel good about himself. He's not embarrassed. Right. Like, so for me, that's another thing that I would stress guys is like, um, take five minutes, even if it's just to create some rapport with your kids and create some relationships, it can be two minutes, right? Like there's times whenever like you get out late, there was a rain delay. So you had to go in the locker room for a little bit or like a lightning delay. You came back out, you lost a half hour. So what's the first thing you do? You end up cutting like, all right, we're going to cut tackle circuit and Indy. Well, I do my EDDs every day, rain, snow, shine, pregame. So if I didn't get to do my five minute EDD grid session where we do our steps and our read keys, then we're staying five minutes after practice to do that. Um, and so don't be afraid to snag five minutes at the end of practice after everything, after we break out, and we walk away, even if it's just circle up, review what the agenda is, talk over some highlight about the install, whatever, take five minutes before you kick them home to make sure that you're there in the best position mentally and physically for the following practice. I think those a couple, those are a couple of things that I would do, you know, ton of situationals, third and medium, third and 12, make it competitive, keep track, push-ups for the losers, try to get the good on good scout as much as possible, not only for your varsities, but also for your JVs, allow the other team's defensive scheme or offensive scheme, let you practice some stuff that's in the very back corner of your playbook, just in case you need it. And then, add an individual uh, individual time an opportunity time opportunity to get better opportunity to fix something at the end of practice those are the three things that i think i've done or been a part of um, in my career that have had the biggest yield this episode is brought to you by shopify whether you're selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage no matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, now, my last question for you is, obviously, you ran the 3-5 for a while, 3-3. Um, three, three. I mean, it's semantic. 3-5. Nope. <laughs> now, I, I will, I, I'll say this one. The, the, obviously, the front and the 3-3 three, three box as a whole is a popular defense, in, lot, in part right now because of TCU and what they were able to do last year. Um, and people are going to study it, and they're going to pull up things you've talked about in the past and video from you and – Nate Albaugh and his simple 3-3 and 18 other different people study yep. rock long and all that stuff. Um, what suggestions would you have for anybody looking to put in a 3-3 or 3-5 um, 
and going down that rabbit hole. Yeah, I think um, again, like it's a great, it's a great. So, like the way we ran it, essentially, the best way to describe our three five was it was a four four where we got the three tech to the play side every time. Right, that's how it felt like to me. Like it was a four four with our two overhangs, and we always end up getting the the B gap bubble canceled by somehow, right? And so, um, and that fit me personally really really well. Right. So I liked that part of it. You've got your slanters, you've got your blitz guys, bringing four, bringing five. Cool. Not me. You got your ripless match. You got your cover one guys. Again, I don't like cover one. So if I wasn't looking at a three, five, I wouldn't spend any time on a three, three cover one team stuff because I just, I don't like cover one. Okay. And so I'm not going to spend time on it. So I think you got to know yourself a little bit because you really can run it however you'd like. Um, you know, if, 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 like I said, I'm a, I'm an okay resource, right. Partly because I'm so open about, um, I've got videos that I use to teach my coaches at park city. I've shared them out to hundreds of people. Shoot me an email. I'll send it to you. Right. Um, especially since I don't run it anymore, but I'll send that to you. Right. Um, but I think like, uh, another guy is, is Hetlet out of Illinois. I think what he does is that's where I started. Um, but like, you can see where his things have done are there some origin of what I do from him, but I had to put my own spin on it. And I think that's the biggest thing, whether you're, I had a buddy who had a breakthrough, really smart guy, um, but kind of ran other people's stuff. And so sometimes it wasn't organic to him. Not that he couldn't make the adjustments, not that he didn't understand every bit of X and O and every adjustment, every coverage, all that stuff, but he had no personal fingerprint or thumbprint on it. And so I think that's the difference is, is that you can look at like Hetlitz or mine or Nate's or whoever's three, five, right. And you can see some commonality to it, but you can also see my personality in it and the way I think defense should be played. And so that's what I would say is whether you're running the three, three, the three, five, four, whatever, it doesn't matter, right. Go somewhere, learn, right. Detach from your personal dogma or previous experiences about a defense, right. Do you have to detach? You have to go in blank and start studying. And the, a lot of times, you know, this is something I may have said before, but um, one of the greatest things I ever heard was the good shit sticks. So whenever you hear somebody say something that you feel is awesome and you're compelled or you you literally have a visceral response to it, then that's something that rings into your personality. That's a piece that gives your defense an identity. And realistically, that's what you have to form. You have to form a style of defense that fits your identity. Right, because you have to sell the defense. It has to be innately you. If you're running somebody else's stuff, right? Like, what's the difference between a good recipe and a bad recipe? Is like you can look at the recipes in my in my in my kitchen, and you could do exactly what the recipe says, and ours will taste different, right? Because I understand that my tomatoes for my salsa, depending on what time of year, I have to adjust my vinegar, or I have to the onions, or there needs more sugar, it needs more of this. Like, so the art is in the blending of. Right. And so if you just follow somebody else's blueprint, their playbook, their framework, right, you follow it down like it's like it's purely science and there's no art, you're going to end up with a pretty average defense. So if you want to be a three five because you think it fits your kids, great. Now go find a three five that has your own personality and commitments to it. I think that's the, the thing. So you can't just go to one resource. You must go to them all. You have to be tireless in your pursuit of knowledge. Bring it in, the stuff that you like, the stuff that, like I said, 
literally visceral response to it makes you feel good, then then dog ear that, put that somewhere to study later. When you're watching it and you're like, mm, no, mm -mm, no, then that's no, right? And then what you do is you take all those pieces that you want and can you create a system that feels good to you that you've got your style on? So is there one way to do it other than go learn everything and filter out you don't like? No, that's the only way to do it. And you can't be afraid of being a little wrong because realistically, and if you're running to the football and playing with high effort, it fixes. Yeah. Right. And so the first thing I would say is, can you get your kids to play the right way? Like I'll put my tape on, right. And there's two things you're going to know. You're going to, you're, my kids are going to run to the ball. We're going to wrong arm and spill. Like, I don't care if we were a four and seven team, a 13 and one team, those two things will get done every time you put my film on. Like I was on, I was on a zoom call with a couple of guys um, a couple of days ago and the, we were running, they had trio. So tight end trips. And we were, uh, my, my, my overhang was over the tight end. They're like, Oh man, I throw the bubble to two right now. And I was like, go ahead. Right. They're like, well, it's open. I'm like, No, it's not. It's not. Right. And so like three plays later, they did it. They ran the bubble to number two. And who tackled it? My nose guard. Yeah. That's not three, five, four, three. No, that's the kid. Like the ball went out and that dude ran his ass off to the hash to the number and made the play. And so I don't lose sight of that. Don't be a football theology guy too. Football theorism is a problem. There are guys on Twitter that are making millions, not millions, hundreds of thousands of dollars selling you football and have never won three games. Yeah, you're right. Never been a coordinator. Making six figures selling books had never been a coordinator. Mm -hmm. Okay, so understand that there's football theory, and that's awesome. We love it. And then there's your, right? And, and I've seen some of those guys' films, and it makes me want to move to their state, <laughs> right? I've seen guys that draw up all this and can't fit a D line and linebackers in a box. Okay. So football theory, learn it, love it. It's so much fun in the off season, but you better be able to extrapolate the pieces that you like from the theory, build a system that fits your personality and your identity as a defense and then work from there. Because I tell you right now, you watch my defenses and you've watched this interview. You've watched some of my interviews. Um, my defense plays, a lot like my personality, right? Like, you know why I'm good at run fits? Because that's freaking Tetris, baby, right? We're plugging holes, <laughs> right? Like, just what it is, right? We're smart, we're physical, we have an edge. Every defense I've ever coached, smart, it's physical, it has an edge. I teach, I, my kids end up getting very high football IQs because I have a football, high football IQ and I know that's, a, right? So it doesn't matter whether you can walk, watch my four two five teams. People, you know, when I went second year after we, we did the three, five, I was talking to Nate Alball, right? We went to the semifinals and the finals. We were, uh, what, 22 and four with that defense. And I'm like, I'm switching it. He was like, what? I was like, yeah, it doesn't fit us this year. Doesn't fit our personnel, right? You put on the, you put on the film the next year. We're a four, we're an even, an odd spaced, even front, tight front. 4-3 team, but we still ran to the ball. We were still super physical. We still spilled. We still had great pursuit angles, right? So like 
we're lining up a different stops pre-snap, but how we play is what matters. And so you can't, like I said, you just got to have understand that there's football theory and then there's actually football. And you want to make sure that your theory allows you to play the football you actually want to play. But there's no shortcuts. There are no shortcuts. You have to learn everything. And then literally you'll know the stuff you like and you know the stuff you hate. And the last bit would be reach out to people. Reach out to people. Like if someone calls me and says, hey, I need help. Do that. My second year, when we ran the three five, I had a coach in region called really literally reach out to our head coach and asked if I would help him with his defense. I literally opened up our playbook and showed him everything. I showed him the calls. I didn't show him the hand signals, but like, I didn't care. I showed him our entire defense. Like I'll show anybody my stuff. Like there are guys out there. Not everybody's like that, but if you make enough calls, you'll get the answers. You'll get somebody that can help you. Coach. So coaches, one, obviously give them a follow. It's not just football content. There's a lot of good food and others. Like, I mean, you just, I just click on media. Once you click on his Twitter profile and you'll just see food after food. It's great. Uh, Two, give him a follow on YouTube because he does occasionally several times a year drop some various, it might be small clinics. It might be pepper two and barbecue. Like there's just all kinds of stuff he'll throw on there. So it's a good, good resource to follow. Um, I know he's, he, I'll, I'll have links of stuff for my channel on here. Um, you can also go to cheappigskin.com. I know he's got some stuff behind their stuff as well. Um, and, and I've got a podcast coming there soon too. I think it's going to be free. I think it's going to be on the free side. I think you have to sign up for an account, but you can sign up for a free account. And I have some stuff coming there as well. Okay. So there's, there's some information there. I think either on Nate's or Chief Pigskin's YouTube channel, there's stuff there as well. Like, I mean, he, he, pretty much type in Cody Gardner and, and the, probably the word Utah in football, and you'll find stuff on YouTube too. Um, he's very active on the uh, Twitter as well for the I, – I know you typically comment on the Texas high school football chat um, and a couple of the other ones. Yeah, I like to troll the O-lineman. You know, I love Tony. You know, Tony and I grew up about 10 miles apart. Um, Tony's applied for like three times at places I was at, and sadly we never got him on staff, but – um, yeah, so I've known Schiff a long time. And, um, so I like going on there and trolling the boys. It's fun. You know, as a former O-line, D-line coach, I like to go in there and talk a little mess, but yep. yeah, man, like I'm on Twitter. I'm on there too much. Yep. So again, there's plenty of ways to find coach. Um, it's all usually good stuff. Um, I'm trying to think of else. like, share, subscribe, all that crap. Um, check our sponsor coach pad. Uh, all that stuff's in the bio as well. You like that thing? You like, I mean, I was going to say, yes, they're a sponsor. Don't be an idiot. Lose a sponsor. But like that, that thing works nice. Cause he's, he's reached out to me a couple of times. And every, every time I've interacted with it, I've had, it's worked smoothly for me. Um, yeah. And I've had no problems with it. And I have, I know a couple of coaches that do use it and this is not me trying to sell our sponsor. Um, but I've, I, I know a couple of coaches that use it and enjoy it. My my big thing I like is that it is you can use it despite the weather, so that's that is a good resource. Um, yeah. And there there's a lot of resources out there, but like I said, legitimately anytime I've messed around with it, or I've had or I know people that have done done it like they enjoy it. Um, they're they've also just been really nice to me and not, yeah. not talking the sponsorship stuff, just talking to them. Um, they've been good to me. So yeah. Um, 
again, check them out. Like, share, subscribe. Um, I'm probably forgetting something, but oh well. Um, it like I said, um, you got about half an hour to almost an hour of us talking just randomness, and then you got about our half an hour to hour of us talking football. So yeah, um, like I said, if you if you need anything for coach, reach out to him. Uh, like I said, coach will get back to you ASAP. Um, otherwise, that's another episode of the Gap Down Backer podcast.